Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Spanning the nerd world and feeding your fandom. It's time for the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Here's your host, James Witham. Taking stargazing to a whole other level. It's episode 419 of the Down and Nerdy Podcast. I'm James Witham, and Night Sky is now streaming on Prime Video, you're going to love it. J.K. Simmons a part of it, Sissy Spacek. And guess what? They're going to be on the show this week to talk about it. That's right, going to talk to them. Also, series creator Hold Miller and executive producer Daniel C. Connolly about this very, very unique story about an older couple and the, not just the challenges of their relationship as they grow old but and, and, and society as they grow old, but this otherworldly thing where they literally have this portal to this uh, this unseen planet and undiscovered planets. It gets funky, it gets interesting, and I think the best way to do it is to talk to the people who made the thing, and that'll help us out. Also going to have Jessica Marie Garcia on the show this week. If you've been listening to Batman Unburied, you've heard Renee Montoya. She voices Renee Montoya, so we'll get her perspective on that character as well. Going to talk to Brandon Sawyer, who is the executive producer of Boss Baby back in the crib. It's hilarious. It's everything you love about Boss Baby, so we'll find out more about that from him when that's also streaming right now on Netflix. Going to give you my spoiler-free review of the Chippendale Rescue Rangers revival from Disney+. Plus. Yes, I'll talk about the She-Hulk trailer, Umbrella Academy, The Boys, Terminalist, a whole bunch of other stuff, and address what's going on or not going on with Daredevil. Sounds like we've got a lot to get to, so let's start with Night Sky and talk to J.K. Simmons, C.C. Spacek, and more next on the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Hi, this is Griffin Newman from The Tick, and you're listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast. How about we just spend the evening staring out at the universe? Night Sky is now streaming on Prime Video. It's a very, very unique story about this couple that finds a chamber buried in their backyard that leads to a strange and deserted planet. And I got a chance to be a part, not just of a press conference about the show, but get to, I also got to interview the series creator and executive producer as well. But first I want to talk about the press conference because I get a chance to hear from JK Simmons, who plays Franklin York and Sissy Spacek, who plays Irene York on this series. So wonderful to be able to talk to them. And the first question for them actually was what drew them to the project? Well, it was obviously the combination, but the first thing that grabbed me was the relationship that I have with this man, this 50-year relationship. It felt like it really grounded the story. And so, yeah, that's what it was for me. It was apparent very quickly that, you know, early on in, in whatever sort of the first act, I guess, of, of the, the first episode, that these characters and this relationship were... Uh, really well created and delineated and then learning you know sort of what a labor of love it was uh, initially for holden and continues to be and i think most of us uh, whether we are uh, <laughs> of the medicare generation or uh, you know thinking back to our own childhood you know there's a there's a real exceptional beauty in that the long-lasting relationships uh, 
in life. Like I was blessed with, with, uh, with our parents. My parents celebrated their 61st wedding anniversary and those kinds of enduring relationships, uh, especially given what this relationship, as we learn during the course of the eight episodes and will not spoil, has, has endured and will continue to, uh, to be tested by. When you've been married for 50 years, it's got a show. So they, and the next question for JK and Sissy, which was wonderfully answered by JK, was did they do anything to help develop that chemistry prior to shooting those scenes? Yeah, we, we chatted for an hour and a half <laughs> on the phone. And, uh, you know, I, I mean, it's one of those things that, no, we didn't really, uh, you know, we weren't like, you know, workshopping it or we did, you know, she invited me over to her place in Chicago shortly after we landed. And we, you know, we did have one, uh, you know, sort of nice relaxed lunch, but that was more just to sort of get acquainted and, and hang out and, you know, uh, establish that kind of comfort level together. It really was one of those things. And I've been in the business for a while. I know Sissy is somewhat new to it, but it's one of those, it's one of those things where, uh, you know, it's a couple of old pros and some really good material. And we just kind of hit the ground running. And, you know, of course, you're sort of finding your way along as you go. But that to me is, uh, you know, part of the, the joy of what we're fortunate to do for a living is that, you know, every day there are discoveries. And that was a big part of the, the fun. The wonderful Sissy Spacek answered the next question, and I, I thought this was really, really nice. She, she was asked how it was working with J.K. on these heartfelt and emotional scenes, and I think you'll love what she had to say. You feel safe. You know no matter what is called for in the scene, he's going to bring that and more. And he's very a very present actor, and close your ears. He's, very, he's a gracious actor and a generous actor. And we had, we had a blast a couple of times. I think we wanted to kill each other, but that was usually in the scene, you know, because, uh, <laughs> uh, but, you know, it's interesting because meeting someone and then like two days later, you're, you're working together. You're playing people who've been married 50 years. It's interesting, but we're actors. That's what we do. It was fun. And it was a very, very collaborative experience with Holden and Dan were amazing. And, 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 you know, we just, we just worked on it and, and it unfolded. And a lot of times scenes would go places that, that surprised us. And it was really exciting. The last clip that I want to play for you with the press conference with J.K. Simmons and Cece Spacek was a really good question, actually, that we talked about how the sci-fi aspect of the show helped affect the marriage aspect of the show. And this is very interesting. Check it out. I think that it it's complicates their lives because they experience such a, a tragic loss midway through their marriage. Um, and then they discover this thing in their backyard at almost simultaneously. And I think it's, it's, part of the human condition to wonder what's out there but then to have these two things kind of intertwined i think it i think it was a it was a little bit of torture and torment because they were waiting to find out what it means so they can move forward in their lives and i think because they found it it's it's 
they have to keep it secret. They're more isolated. They, they've withdrawn from their community involvement to an enormous degree. And as time goes by, they feel differently about, I, I, I don't want to speak for you, JK, but she wants to just be taken up to the heavens. And I think he just would love to have his partner back. And, you know, so that's a real, I've had a, a long relationship of about half a century and I'm glad we just, we have just mundane things to deal with, not outer space. So <laughs> yeah, my relationship is a, a mere 30 years, 31 years at this point. But one of the things that I approach this differently and and, and differently than I, I kind of wish audiences would be able to have, and some will the experience that I had in, in having this story unfold for me over the first episode, because I never read uh, breakdowns or synopses or log lines or anything. I, I, I always just start on page one of the script and read the story. So, so the way our first episode unfolds, there are, well, the way the whole season unfolds, but even just in the first episode, there are surprises and, and kind of, you know, a jaw dropper that I did not see coming at all. I was, I was completely invested in a story that I thought was, was going to be a, a, you know, domestic drama, uh, you know, with some sort of fun comedic elements about uh, this, this old couple in rural Illinois, which as we've all said, you know, at its heart, it, it really kind of is, but yeah, I, uh, I always encourage people to uh, watch the show but I'm not, I'm not a big fan of trailers. <laughs> and the chemistry between the two of them really, really shines through in this show. When you get a chance to watch it, you'll understand. I want to give a shout out to Dave Carger, too, from Turner Classic Movies, doing a great job moderating that press conference. And those are the clips that I'm going to play for you from that. And then after that, I actually got a chance to talk to the series creator and executive producer, Holden Miller, and also executive producer Daniel C. Connolly about, you know, the diving a little deeper into the show with the both of them from behind the scenes. So now you'll get to hear my chat with them. Hey, James, how are you? Hey, Hi, James. Daniel Holden, how are you gentlemen doing? Very well. Doing very well. So how are you? Doing really, really good. Really digging this show. There's a lot of intrigue involved in this, which I really, really love. And it's, this isn't the kind of shed that you can go down to like the Home Depot and buy. So I love that too. Uh, <laughs> how did you, Holden, how did you come up with the concept for the story? And Daniel, what was it like for you coming into this? Yeah, I think the concept really sprung from wanting to tell uh, a relationship story about two older characters who are grappling with some of the big questions that um, arise towards the end of life as aging and mortality and, and time pass. I think that inevitably you think, you know, and you do at every point in life, what, 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 what does it all mean? What are we doing here on earth? You know, what does it mean to spend your life with another person? And, and I think that the story that I wanted to tell was one that grappled with those themes in, in a really present and literal way. And adding this sci-fi element of this incredible discovery in their backyard to it was a way to access those questions easily and bring the epic scope to this small story of this couple that I think it required. And I came into the picture oh, about three years ago when I was at a general meeting at Legendary, an executive there named Jen Chambers uh, we were there for another reason. And just at the end of the uh, meeting mentioned, hey, would you be interested in uh, supervising or working with a, a young writer who's got an interesting script? My general answer to that is typically, well, it would depend uh, on what it is. And, and 
they told me the one line of this and I was like, I have to admit, I was quite intrigued. And when they sent me the script, I knew within about the first three or five pages that this was something special because there was such a kind of texture and sort of realness to the characters, which you immediately invest in and kind of make your own kind of associations with, whether it's a grandparent or, or neighbors or teachers. But then you have the rug pulled out from you when you, when you have this reveal in the first 10 minutes of what it really means to go to the stars. And so rarely do you find a, a piece of material that has characters that are so engaging and, and a concept that's so massive, but handled on such an intimate way. Absolutely. I also love the fact that this is a sci-fi series, but it's also very much a love story as well. How would you both describe the relationship between Franklin and Irene? Yeah, I think it was important to us that it was a good, strong relationship throughout. And it wasn't a story about a marriage falling apart. But at the same time, it obviously doesn't mean that it's always positive all the time. I think any love relationship is complex. And as time passes and you experience things, that becomes more and more true, you know. I think we wanted it to feel the whole weight of time on this relationship on screen, both in the way that they love each other and the way that they bicker with each other, the way they know what the other one's going to say or do, and the way that they can still surprise each other too. And then obviously um, in, in this show, there's they, they've both gone through something in, incredibly rupturous and, and devastating in their life um, in the, in, in the back, back story to the show. And I think that bringing the depth of that experience to, to the relationship was really, really important to us as well. It also helps that you have two incredible actors playing these roles in J.K. Simmons and Sissy Spacek. Why were they both ultimately the perfect choice for these roles? Well, it's rare to actually have a chance to envision an actor in a role as you're developing it and then have them say yes. That certainly was the case here. Sissy was a voice that we were hearing in Irene from a very early stage and, and sort of like our dream casting. And to have them actually say yes, is just, uh, it's mind boggling. And it's a great validation and confidence booster going into production. And JK is just a, an iconic um, character actor, one of our favorites. And I think having Sissy on board gave him a certain confidence in, in the material and what the, what the process would be like. And it's just, uh, you know, complete serendipity that these two amazing performers who are at the apex of their career said yes to it. And, and we knew about five minutes into the turning the camera on that it was going to work because it's, it's, it's hard to get a bad scene with the two of them. So you, you've got a couple of unique aspects to this show as well in that you don't see a ton of shows with a focus on an older cast or at least two main characters that are in the older cast and that are, that are older in the cast anyway, in either a sci-fi series or a love story. So do you think that that is one of the things that makes this show so unique? Yes, I do. I, it's, 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 it boggles my mind why there's not more actors of that age and generation leading TV shows. I hope it'll change. We knew that it was going to be potentially more of an uphill battle for us to get the show made because of that. We always thought of it as a strength. You know, we thought that this is going to help the show stand out and it's going to attract a bigger audience because again, everyone can relate to these characters. And, and there's also this amazing pool of talent in that, in that age range to be drawn from. It's really an under, underutilized resource. No doubt about that. And we're, we've got some, you know, younger members of the cast as well. On top of the mystery of, the, of this other planet, we also have the mystery of the man that we see in the trailer in the first episode as well. So Holden, what can you tell us about Chai Hansen's character without spoiling anything? Yeah, well, I will say, you know, the mystery surrounding that character and the continuing mystery is really so key to what that character is doing on, on screen. So 
I can answer the question without giving too much away because the fact that he is so enigmatic is something that continues throughout the series. And I, I think to good effect in that, you know, he's certainly a way for us to dive into some of the more mythology type questions surrounding these chambers. You know, where exactly does he come from? What exactly is he doing? And really, who is he? And then at the same time, I think it becomes clear very early on that Franklin and Irene both have a lot that they project onto him because of how much he holds back. I think Irene, to some degree, sees him almost as a surrogate son or, or um, another opportunity to process something from her past. And Franklin, I think, sees him as kind of an interloper in their, in their house and, and sort of a, a competitor almost. And then, you know, I think that the actor, Chai Hansen, does so much with just, he has very few lines of dialogue in the early episodes, and yet he has this really raw humanity and emotionality that I think comes across um, in his quiet moments that tells you that this character is also someone who really has their own thing going on and their own stuff that they're going through and processing um, beyond even just his sort of plot desires. You know, he's, he's, he's someone who's grappling with a lot of the same things. So I think that multi-valent kind of presence of that character in the show it just just brings a, a really great element to it no doubt about that now you all have done such a great job of making this series seem so grounded and so real it was just, it's such an easy watch so when you guys did decide to introduce those sci-fi elements those otherworldly elements before i let you go how did you come up with not just the kinds of those elements you were going to present but also when you were going to present them i think we knew yeah like you said we we knew that we wanted the the sci-fi and the visual effects elements of the show to match the very grounded organic qualities uh, of the story. And frankly, that's a challenge. You know, there's, there's just a prevailing kind of sensibility and, and God bless it. You know, there's, everyone loves those big whiz bang movies as much as I do, but this was a different, this required a, a, a different approach. And so for us, it was about just kind of pulling back and making things real and having them integrate into the story and we, we needed them to be integrated early in the storytelling. We write from the first episode, you know, there's a, there's a big, there's a big twist about five or 10 minutes into the show that sort of sets up the, the franchise of the show. And we knew that if we, we, if we nailed that, that we would, we would gain a lot of goodwill from, from the fans and, and have people be willing to invest not only in these characters, but in the greater um, sort of fantasy element of the show. And that goodwill begins when Night Sky premieres on Prime Video on May the 20th. Holden, Daniel, thank you so much, guys, for your time. I appreciate it. Thank you, James. Thanks so much, James. Pleasure talking to you. And there's so many things about this show that are so refreshing. And you get plenty of sci-fi, but you also get plenty of drama and a relationship that, again, you don't get to see portrayed on screen as much as you do. And there's just something so wholesome and and right about it and something that you're going to love about Frank and Irene, and I don't think you're going to be able to keep your eyes away from this show because I, I certainly couldn't. And the twists that happen in these early episodes alone are certainly worth it. So make sure you're watching Night Sky, which is now streaming on Prime Video. Again, thanks to J.K. Simmons and Sissy Spacek and Holden Miller and Daniel C. Connolly for joining me this week to talk about Night Sky. Up next, we're going to go to the audio realm, talk about Batman Unburied with Jessica Marie Garcia. She's up next on the Down and Nerdy Podcast. As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch, and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. 
Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the roll of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is not what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts. Hey, this is Delete the from Gotham, and you're listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast. So here's a name and a face you might recognize, too. She was in On My Block. She was in Diary of Your Future, Future President on Disney+. Plus. But now you can actually hear her voice on the uber-popular Batman Unburied scripted podcast, which you can hear as a Spotify original from Spotify and DC. She plays her name, Rontoya. It's Jessica Marie Garcia. Jessica, how are you doing? I am doing so well. Thank you for that introduction. I feel fancy. Oh, uh, no problem at all. No problem. <laughs> so, Jessica, if it were me, I would jump at the chance to be a part of a Batman project. So how excited were you to join Batman Unburied as Renee Montoya? Oh, I flipped out. I had gotten in an email. I was about to literally go to bed and I got this email. It just like listed who else was playing and it said Winston Duke as Batman. I said, wait, what? And I just flipped out. And I told my husband, because my husband is a huge DC, huge Marvel, huge comic fan in general. So when I told him that, he was like, oh my God, you have to do it. Just say, yes, I don't care like what it is. Like you have to do it. And I have always wanted to be a part of this universe. So I just, I jumped at the chance, honestly. And all my friends are very jealous. <laughs> okay, so if that's the case, then how much did your husband poke you and prod you for details and spoilers and all kinds of other stuff? 
funny enough, he is like the anti-spoiler man. Like he cannot, wow. like he, he doesn't, he doesn't want to watch trailers. He wants to just watch, like he cannot stand it when people like, especially on Twitter, like he will not listen to anything they say on Twitter because he just gets so upset. He does not want to know anything in advance. So when he was listening to it, he got like in, in his own like space, he, he likes it very quiet. Like we have a newborn. So like, he's just like, is everything set up? Because I need to listen to this. And he loves it. And I'm so so thankful for it because so many of my friends there are very you know how batman fans are in general mm -hmm. like they are very particular they can be your best friend or your worst enemy mm -hmm. depending on like their thoughts <laughs> so i've just been overwhelmed with how the response has been so far it's been a great show so far. Now, we've actually seen and heard Renee Montoya over the years in a lot of different things, whether it be animation, live action, things like that. Yeah. So how would you describe your Renee Montoya? Well, I tried not to replicate anybody because I thought that I would just go down a very deep hole. I won't lie to you and say that I wasn't terrified of taking on such an iconic character. I just kind of took her from my, my perspective. Like she's a badass. She's a badass. And I think at the root of her, she's a really good detective. Like she is really smart. She's really quick. So I just kind of wanted to bring that in as well as her, her humanity. Like, I think, you know, her dialogue with Barbara, like you can tell how much she cares for her and how much she cares about the job and how important that is. So I just kind of leaned into the humanity of her and tried not to take anything I've seen or heard in the past kind of influenced me too much because I thought that if I did that, then I could never live up. I totally understand that. After episodes three and four, though, you were saying how she's partnered up with Barbara Gordon, which I think is a really, really neat partnership. How much fun was it to play opposite Gina Rodriguez for this thing? Well, first of all, I've known Gina for a while. We worked together on Diary of Future President. So she's been my director for a lot of our relationship, but I actually didn't get to work with her at all. I recorded episode three, all of my episodes without her even being cast at first. Wow. Wow. So she wasn't I, even cast yeah, yet? She wasn't oh even my cast gosh. yet. Wow. They were like, I was working with Alex Kemp and he was like, yeah, we don't have, we don't have our Barbara yet. So you're going to be working with this actor. How did you guys do <laughs> this that way? That, I, that's, I know. You, you, I would never have known. That's, that's like the biggest spoiler of all right there. I would never yeah, have known. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Oh, good. I'm glad. I worked with a, a incredible actor. It was, it was a, a gentleman and he gave me, you know, a lot to work off of because this is something he does a lot. I, going into voiceovers, especially uh, serialized voiceovers, I just have not been a part of before so this it was really intimidating but we did it and then I came back again and I heard Gina but I didn't get to work with Gina so she got to record off me but I didn't get to record off her that was really tough and I was so nervous I was like oh my gosh if this like affects the dynamic like I was so worried I was like already worried and now I was just like you know hyperventilating and like sweating and I was like it's coming out I god I hope it's good Wow, the fact that you guys did that with the scratch voice, that's that's incredible. That That's really, yeah. really incredible. So Renee and Barbara, definitely tight, like you said. Babs can be a little reckless at times, though, of course. And we know that Renee's helped her out a couple times already from episodes three and four. How far do you think she'd go to help out Barbara? Oh, I think she would do anything for her. I, I, I think she's already doing so much, like going against the rules. I think Renee up until this point has been like, this is our job, this is how we do it. And there's no straying from that. Like she doesn't want to kind of be like too rebellious against, you know, the bosses. But right now with Barbara, like kind of doing her own thing and working with the Riddler, like that was not something that, oh, spoiler alert. <laughs> that was not something They've that- They've listened to it already. Right, they right, know. Right, 
How could you not be caught up? Come on. <laughs> but I, I think now she's just like, okay, like I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have your back. Like we're partners in this, but I think she's, I think she's nervous. I think she's scared, but I think she'll, you know, go to bat with her for through anything. I have no doubt about that. Yeah. Now, Jessica, you said you got a big DC fan in the house. You already know how crazy some of these Batman villains can be, but I think the Harvester might be one of the most disturbing Batman villains ever. I mean, that's just the level it's at already. So as you're preparing for the show and you're, you know, diving into the scripts and things like that, what was your reaction to the Harvester and how much more are we going to learn about this crazy guy over these next few episodes? Oh, I think that there are so many twists and turns. I was learning about this, like, as I was reading, like, cause I didn't, and I couldn't go to my husband because he didn't want to know anything. So I was really kind of doing my own research with everything. And I, I think it's amazing the take that we're, we're going in the direction we're going in, because I don't think a lot of it has been done before with the harvester specifically. Ooh, I don't want to say too much, but I, things get wild. Ah, yes. The plot thickens. We're talking to the Jessica Marie. You're talking to Jessica Marie Garcia, who of course plays Renee Montoya in Batman Unburied. New episodes drop every Tuesday exclusively on Spotify from Spotify and DC. Jessica, you talked about Winston Duke a second ago. Just how crazy good is Winston Duke as Bruce Wayne from your perspective? Because for mine, it's just, it's unbelievable. I get chills with you even saying that his voice is so commanding and I don't know how many people feel this way, but I feel like Batman's not a difficult character, but I think Bruce Wayne is a very difficult character. I think he's really incredible about encapsulating both of those characters and really finding, you know, the differences and, 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 and where they kind of like spawn from. So he, he's incredible. I got to meet him back in the day, like right before, before COVID hit, we both got Italian awards from the Italian Film Festival, oddly enough. So um, that's a wild connection right there. Right. Isn't that bizarre? <laughs> I was like, I don't know if either one of us are Italian, but sure. <laughs> and um, I don't think you are, which makes it even more interesting. Okay. I don't. They just have good taste, is all I'm saying. When I met him, I was just like, oh God, I really hope we get to work together. He's so cool and so tall. And just his voice is so commanding that I was like, you know, there's really nothing he can't do. And I even thought of him as more of like having that villain voice and then hearing him I remember Alex played some playback for me when we were when I came back for uh for some more reshooting and or re-recording I should say and hearing him I was just like oh my god like it he can stop a room like just that booming deep voice it's like velvet and I was like yeah this is Batman like this is who I always thought. I mean, I I mean Michael Keaton's my favorite, but like I I'm like this is Batman to me, and I love that there's an entire generation that gets to see a black Batman for one, and also just one that I think is like kind of like the most badass of them all. Like he's he's got like body, he's got you know he's got girth. Oh, he's and put that, together. There's no question. Right, about that. right. Yeah. He was built. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So Jessica. Gotham PD certainly no strangers to corruption and Flash has certainly been a problem for a lot of characters in the Bat family in the past. So how much trouble is he going to continue to be for Barbara and Renee in these upcoming episodes? Because I just, I just want to. Yeah, just in a nuisance, just an absolute nuisance. I think for Barbara more that you're going to see more of that with Barbara than with Renee. Yeah, he's uh he's a pest for sure. OK, so. I know that we say limited series, and that's like the worst thing that you could possibly hear. However, 
you know, my mind starts turning, Jessica, and I'm thinking, okay, you know, just because this is a limited series, does that mean that, you know, this is the end of the story? Could we maybe, would you like to do maybe a, a Montoya Barbara spinoff at some point? Do you think there's a future here for some sort of stories? Oh, I think that honestly, I've fallen in love with so with everybody's stories at this point that I could feel like I could w- listen to a spinoff of any of them. I would love a Barbara Renee spinoff. I would love to be the question. Are you kidding me? So uh, I hope I feel like there's a world for it all. I feel like specifically with Batman and how well it's doing that I think that, you know, the audience wants that. And as long as they're there, we're going to be there. I'm so glad you brought up the question because I was going to bring it up. I'm like, oh, well, if she brings it up, then it's not like me planting the seed. This has clearly already been thought of. So, okay. I, that's, I like that. I like that. I like the way your mind thinks. I mean, I've definitely thought of it. I don't know. I've definitely thought, I thought of it. It was right here in front of me. And then I'm like, oh, well, if she's going to bring it up. Then I guess we'll just go ahead and go with that then. <laughs> Jessica, before I let you go, obviously it's it's I'm sure it's been a blast for you playing Renee Montoya. So could would you at some point maybe hopefully like to play her in live action in I mean anything? I'm sure this is not the last we're gonna see for Renee Montoya and stuff. So what live action maybe? Oh hell yeah, I would love that more than anything. Oh my god, I would adore that. You know, I, I being in this world like we spoke about before has been such a dream for me and I would love to dive into like who she is and do some fighting and just feel like because she again is such a badass and I would just love to encompass that as often as possible so yes please and we don't know enough please about a young Renee Montoya either as far as I'm right concerned. so that's that's another thing that I think me where's her origin story right like right James super cool I think this maybe it's just me I don't know just throwing that one out there but for now, we have to settle for it. And I, I say that in a, in a way that, you know, you can possibly settle for more Batman Unburied every Tuesday. Make sure you're listening to the new episodes on Spotify. It's a Spotify original from Spotify, DC, Warner Brothers, and a whole bunch of amazing, amazing folks, including her, Jessica Marie Garcia. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. I appreciate it. No, thank you, James. This has been amazing. Hopefully we get to talk again. And if you've let Batman Unburied pass you by because you're like, oh, it's just a podcast, ah, it's just audio, I don't know, you are missing out on an incredible and unique Batman experience that you are going to be sorry if you miss. I am telling you right now, the performances, the way the story is laid out, David S. Goyer is part of this thing, too. This is a serious, serious Batman story. Now, I think you'll really enjoy it, so make sure you're listening to Batman Unburied. New episodes drop every Tuesday on Spotify. It's a Spotify original from DC as well. Thanks to Jessica Marie Garcia for chatting a little Renee Montoya with me this week. Up next, The Boss Baby is back on Netflix, the brand new series, and I'll talk to Brandon Sawyer, who's the executive producer of that show, A Boss Baby, back in the crib. We'll do that next on the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Hey, this is Kari Walgren, the voice of Haruko in FLCO, and you are listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Talking to Brandon Sorry, who's the executive producer and showrunner of Boss Baby back in the crib. Brandon, how's it going? Going great. Thank you. So, Brandon, this is actually your second time working on a Boss Baby project. What is it about, what is it about these stories that are so fun that made you want to return and actually keep fans coming back as well? Well, I mean, I, I love the character so much. I just, everything, <laughs> there's so much comic potential built into the character that I loved working on that first series, 
as for what drew me back, it was seeing a rough cut of the second movie. I mean, we, we told our whole story in the first series. We were done. We wrapped it up, had a great time doing it. And then seeing the second movie, seeing these new characters, seeing Tina, Tabitha, realizing the potential of Tim as an adult now and his wife, Carol, there was a whole new family and just all the synapses started firing and saying, oh, there's so much we can do with this. There's there's a whole new story we can tell here. And so we went for it. And it's definitely a fun story, too. For anyone who might not be caught up, though, with what's going on with Ted Templeton and, and, and everybody you just mentioned, is, do, you, do you recommend that people watch that movie first or is it easy to kind of jump into this as well and then maybe, maybe go back to the movie after the fact? What would you say? Well, of course I recommend watching the movie because it's delightful and I love Tom McGrath who directed it. I will say we, we probably designed it so that you could jump into the show without having seen the movie or the original series. You know, there's things that you could probably enjoy more or characters you might recognize coming back from the movie or from the original series but as from an accessibility standpoint you could you could jump into this series and wouldn't miss a beat okay that was my opinion quickly. that was my opinion but i needed to hear you say it i wanted to make sure that, that you agreed with me on that for sure because i kind of felt the same way you mentioned some of the new characters a few minutes ago you're working with a very different different family dynamic this time around too what was it like kind of being able to add Tabitha and Tina? Uh, loved it. I mean, again, that was that was the draw. It's always characters are, are always what's going to interest me in a project. And seeing Tina as this this enthusiastic kid who who works at the same company, but is a completely different and perhaps more evolved type of, of business person who who recognizes that there's more to life outside of the office just seeing how much of a character dynamic there could be there and then seeing tabitha who you know they had this little runner in the movie of how much she idolizes her uncle teddy and just thinking about well, well what does that mean what does it mean that she idolizes him does she want to be like him is she as cutthroat as he is what can we do with that how can we lean into that again it just was this just magnetic pull that that said we we have to make this series the differences don't stop there though because you've actually got things that are very different at baby court too so how much can you tease about that and how is how's ted feeling about that well i think i can safely tease you know it's been announced that nicole byers in the show and she plays the new ceo of the company and again is also this this Really, I mean, if you've seen Nicole in anything, you know how much fun she is, how how much joy and life she brings to to everything she does. And so we we tried to work that into the character completely. I'm trying to trying to figure out how not to spoil anything here. The approach of the company has changed a little. Just the way that they they focus. And it's in the first episode. They they focus on on the top five percent of babies, like these super cute babies who all have something going on, amazing hair or, or whatever it is that makes them, you know, the cutest babies in the world. They really have, have focused on these, these five percenters, they call them. I love throwing Boss Baby for a loop and, and having him go back to the office, but not feel at home in the office and have to kind of relearn the ropes again. Almost not feeling at home in the home either, which is which is kind of interesting too, like we were talking about, talking about earlier. So you're definitely doing that. I love the new field team that you got over there at Baby Core. I think Dez is my favorite, okay? But is there one in particular for you that was really fun to write for the show? All of them for different reasons. You know, we we brought JJ. JJ was a character we made specifically because we love Alex Casares so much, who played Stacy in the original show. And we knew we had to bring her back some way, so we invented a character for her. Love Pip, 
you know, a little oddball uh, wild card with an undeveloped morality. And of course, you mentioned Dez, our master of disguise. So much fun to write gags for him. Zeke, who I believe actually did serve in the military, brought this really yes sir saluting energy to the character that's so much fun i just thought des was so random every every, every episode i'm like you got to be kidding me now, now we're doing this I, I just thought that was really fun and that's why he was my favorite they're all good though you're right so brandon it turns out that embezzlement isn't ted hamilton's biggest problem that he's gonna have to face in this season so how much can you tell us about these uh uncuttable uncuttable uncuttables that we're gonna have to deal with I can tell you it's hard to pronounce, uh, clearly, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you commit to something and then you realize how often you're going to have to say it. Yeah. So the uncuttleables are, well, what can I say about them? But there's teens who maybe are a little bit jealous that babies are sucking up all the attention. You know, they've, they've passed a little bit out of the cute phase. And so there, there may be a little bit of jealousy going on there and they're causing some problems, especially knowing that they can target these, these five percenter babies who are the cutest of the cute. That'd be the ones that you'd really have a dislike for. And wait till you guys see how these problems start too. It's a very, very funny episode that, that they have. Talking to Brandon Sawyer, who is the executive producer and showrunner of Boss Baby back in the crib, which of course you can see on Netflix on May the 19th. Now, Brandon, I love that you brought back J.P. Karliak as Boss Baby in this series. Talk about the energy he brings to that role and also the fun vibe that he has with Mary Faber in the series as well, because I thought that was really neat. Yeah, JP's so committed. You know, absolutely love him. The minute we heard his audition, he just had the character down. You know, not doing exactly what Alec Baldwin does, obviously, but the heart and core of the character is there. And and he requires so little direction. (laughs) He just... He knows what's funny. He, he knows what makes this character tick. And he's so good at it and has been for so long. And then to bring Mary into it, Mary was, was uh, you know, new to all of us and just instantly it was another case of you heard the voice, you heard the performance, and you knew that these two were going to be dynamite together. There's certainly no doubt about that. Now, Brandon, you've got four kids at home. I've got three kids at home myself. You know how unpredictable dad life can be with all the kiddos running around the house. Have you actually brought any of your own experiences into this show and into the writer's room? Because there was a couple as I was watching the show early that I kind of identified with. And I was like, oh, yeah, he nailed that one. Yeah, I mean, there's always little things. There, There is an episode that you probably wouldn't have seen yet because it's about the sixth or seventh called War of the Cheeks. That is a three round go fish tournament. And that is absolutely drawn from life. If you want to know what my household is like, watch that. That's the key to everything. <laughs> we get some insight into the Sawyer household with that one. So just definitely, you know, just keep that in mind as you're watching through the series, and and then then you'll get you'll get a sense. Brandon, you have a great cast. I, I think that that's easy to say, but you also have some really good guest stars coming up this this season too. So how much fun was it having Kyle Chandler, Andy Richter, and some of the other people that you got to bring on board? It was fantastic, Andy. You know, I. He, I've worked with him several times before. I worked on the, the Penguins of Madagascar series and Andy was was Mort. So you know exactly wh- what he's going to bring and always so funny. And then Kyle Chandler was a happy surprise uh, from this period when everybody wanted to work, but no sets were open. And so a lot of, of, of really talented actors were just looking for something to do. And uh, Kyle actually auditioned for us. He this This casting call went out for this character, Ranger Safety Binkerton. And in comes an audition tape from Kyle Chandler. 
and was so funny and, and was so excited to be doing it. He told us he'd never done a, a voice before for an animated project. So he was he was surprisingly nervous for somebody as talented as he is, but also just just had so much fun doing it. It was great. Boy, did that work out for you guys, didn't it, in a weird way? Yeah. <laughs> Getting some amazing talent. And yeah, we were big fans of Pen Penguins of Madagascar in my house. So I was fully aware that you'd worked with Andy already. So that was really cool to see him back in this show. Brandon, before I let you go, your last Boss Baby series, correct me if I'm wrong, I think it ran four seasons, was it? It did, So yes. is this sto a story you could see continue for multiple seasons as well? Is this something you'd like to continue on if you could? Well, I can't answer that one. I can tell you that there's a season coming out that you're going to see, and it's a lot of fun, and it'll get to the last episode, and you might feel like that story is not quite complete yet. And if you feel that way, you're not alone, and there might be more coming, but I can't comment or, or really commit to, to much beyond that. Oh, the intrigue. So let's just do this. Let's start with Boss Baby Back in the Crib, which is going to be premiering on Netflix on Thursday, May the 19th, and I think you're really, really going to enjoy what this guy does with it. It's Brandon Sawyer. Thank you so much for the time today. I really appreciate it. Thank you. And this show really comes out swinging with some early episodes and makes things a lot of fun right off the bat, especially if you're a parent. This is going to hit on a few beats for you right away. But the, the, the way that they just evolved this story of the Boss Baby has been really, really incredible. And to see Netflix get these series now, especially this one, which I, I think, too, you can jump right into if you want to. You're going to have a lot of laughs watching this one with the kids. This will definitely be one that you're not going to worry about having on in the background while the kids are playing. It's Boss Baby Back in the Crib, which is now streaming on Netflix. Again, thanks to Brandon Sawyer for joining me to talk about some Boss Baby Back in the Crib. Up next, we're going to go back to Disney Plus and talk about the new Chippendale Rescue Rangers revival. Do that next on the Down and Nerdy Podcast. This is Ray Chase, the voice of Noctis in Final Fantasy XV, and you're listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast. You can go ahead and start singing the theme song in your head, but I can't because I don't want to get a copyright strike, so I'm not going to do it for you. And that is Chippendale's Rescue Rangers, which is back on Disney+. Plus. Don't call it a reboot because it's definitely not a reboot. I want to give you my review of this one spoiler-free, though, since it just dropped. I got a chance to watch it early, but I don't want to spoil anything for you. And trust me, there is plenty to spoil here. But I want to give my overall impressions of this. My overall impression is I can't believe that they pulled this off. Honestly, this was one of the smartest revivals that I've ever seen. And I never thought I would say that about Chippendale's Rescue Rangers, of all things. But yes, I mean, kind of what you see is what you get in a certain respect. Where you've got Chip and Dale, they had their rise to fame through Chip and Dale's Rescue Rangers. And then there's kind of a, a little bit of a fallout there. And then they kind of find themselves back together for another rescue mission. That's the best way I can kind of put it without spoiling anything. And you see the friction between Chip and Dale there. And even one of the, the clips that I posted on our YouTube page, you can see that as well. But what you also see is, you know, Dale's literally reinvented himself. And Chip's kind of selling insurance right now. So that's that's a very, very interesting kind of dynamic going on there between the two of them once they sort of reconnect. But it's also interesting that the conflict that we see in this story, and this is kind of in the trailer, so it's not really a spoiler, of Toons going missing. 
And there's one very specific tune that goes missing, and that's kind of what brings them together in the first place. And and the villain in this story, if you see again, if you've seen the trailer, and you think it is that who I think it is, yes, it's who you think it is, and yes, that who that is very much going to be a person that's going to be a part of the conflict in the story. And that's one of the things that makes this movie unique and you see the Dales doing the the fan con thing and you see you know older tunes in their autograph booths con style and things like that and, and that's something that's also very much a part of the story too this is very who framed Roger Rabbit-esque if you remember that movie and it was groundbreaking at the time and it almost seems normal nowadays for a movie like that but there's a lot of Ro- Roger Rabbit-esque type things in this movie and Roger Rabbit was a Hoover and Roger Rabbit was brilliant. And to use that model here, at least to a certain respect, it's not completely that way, but at least in a, in a certain respect was very, very smart. And Roger Rabbit had a lot of cameos. So does this, but the way they work them in and how they make it make sense. And, and, you know, when they do them and, you know, is some of it fan service and, and, and does some of it, truly matter the way they blend those two things makes it so they can do that and it's not annoying and it doesn't feel forced and that to me is hugely difficult to do and they brilliantly craft that in this story so shout out to the the writers and directors and everybody involved for being able to do just that never mind tell a a story that was very cohesive and talked about the relationship and how it kind of fractured between Chip and Dale, and how do you get that magic back? Can you get that magic back between the two of them? And then you work in Kiki Lane's character, uh, who who is one of the officers that's investigating this disappearance, and that adds another layer to this whole thing. And it's just ended up being a way more interesting story than I expected. So I expected it to possibly be fun. I didn't know if it would also be interesting, and it was certainly both of those things. And I also have to give a lot of credit to John Mulaney and Andy Samberg, who did wonderful jobs voicing Chip and Dale, respectively. And the way that they kind of they they had they complemented each other very, very well. And they kind of embodied who you would have expected these characters to be in the first place in their roles over time, too. And the way that they played off of each other, I thought was really, really smart. But it's one of those things where if you were a Chippendale Rescue Rangers fan anyway, you'll enjoy this. If you weren't necessarily a Chippendale Rescue Rangers fan before, you might be now. That is the thing that this thing that this movie does so incredibly well is that you can they played both sides of that coin. And I will say this that I wasn't a huge Rescue Rangers fan back in the day, but I loved this freaking movie so much. I really, really did. And it has a little something for everybody. I think kids will like it. I think adults will like it. It isn't one of those things where it's too kiddish either. Where you're like, oh, well, there's parts of this you can enjoy as an adult, but it's mostly for kids. I don't think it's mostly for kids. I really, really don't. I think, again, like Who Framed Roger Rabbit, this toes the line like that so much that you can't really tell if this is for kids or not. It's safe for kids for the most part. I think there's a couple things in there that's that, that might be pushing the line a little bit as far as being okay for kids. But, you know, you're a parent. You make that decision for you and your family, just like I will for mine. And and I think that this, this movie 
had so much going for it and so many good performances and the, and the cameos that were pop-ins and some of them were more than pop-ins and there's a lot of things to get made fun of. There's one very specific character that we only got to see once that you're going to see a few times in this movie and it's not at all who or what you're expecting because Disney shattered the boundaries for this movie. That's the best he's I'm going to I'm going to give you. You'll be very surprised at some of the faces and some of the and some of the tunes that you'll see in this movie. I was very very surprised at that. And it just adds to the comedy and the hilarity of this thing. And in certain respects it does deepen the story too, which is which is incredible. So Chippendale Rescue Rangers if th- this is the kind of this is the kind of blueprint that people are going to try and use for a revival again in the future. I'm not sure that this is something that can be replicated a ton. But if this is how it's going to go, and this is how you can do it, this is now one of the gold standards for revivals. And I can't believe I'm again I can't believe I'm saying that about Chippendales Rescue Rangers. But here we are, and that's how freaking good this thing is. Make sure you're watching Ch- Chippendales Rescue Rangers now streaming on Disney Plus. That's going to do it for my spoiler-free review of Chippendale Rescue Rangers. Up next, there's a lot of trailers to talk about in nerd news, so let's get to it. I'm James Witham. This is the Down and Nerdy Podcast. This is Allison Aria from DC's Peacemaker, and you're listening to Down and Nerdy. You'll like her when she's angry, or at least when she's rendered. It's time for nerd news. And yes, we're going to talk about the She-Hulk trailer, but I just want to say that it seems like the entertainment world this week especially said, hey, you know all those trailers that we have? Let's just release them all now because there's a ton of trailers to talk about this week. And I do want to start with She-Hulk and that is going to be coming out on August the 17th on Disney+. Plus. We knew we know that it's actually going to be called She-Hulk Attorney at Law. And we get to see Tatiana Maslany as the six foot seven She-Hulk. And of course, as attorney Jennifer Walters, she's just gotten herself a little bit of a promotion. The superhero law division, not too shabby, but she's also found out. She's got a little bit of a family curse. You want to call it a curse? Okay, we get to do get to see Mark Ruffalo in this trailer. We do know that Tim Roth's going to be back as Abomination. We know that Benedict Wong's going to be a part of the show as well. But this trailer really did set more of a comedic tone, and that's an interesting take, and I'm curious to see how that's actually going to go. I still think that Tatiana Maslany is the right person for this job, but I will say that the, all the talk has been about the horrid CG for She-Hulk in this trailer. I mean, it's it's bad. I'm not usually that guy either. If you've listened to this show before, you know I'm not usually that guy. But I'm a little surprised. Even though, yes, there's plenty of time to, to fine-tune everything, I'm a little surprised that Marvel released a trailer that would show this and, and just even give fans the idea that this was going to be the final look, especially since like, like when she's carrying that guy and her arms aren't really, it, it doesn't match up what you would think is Hulk-ing, you know what I mean? So it, it just seems like they hadn't fine-tuned the look yet. There might be a reason for that in the, in show-wise, there might be a reason for that, and maybe that's something that we'll find out once the show actually premieres, that there's a reason for that, but just, it, it doesn't give fans a good feeling. When you see something like that, that that seems undone, and Marvel tends to not put stuff out unless it's ready, ready. So that's it's just a little bit, little bit stunning. But at the same time, I think that the that will be fine here. I think that there's a really good cast that's involved in this, and you know you got to kind of trust 
that Marvel and, and, and Jessica Gow and company know what they're doing. And, and I think that they, they probably do. So even though, yeah, the CG was bad, it, it seems a little bit more on the comedic side than I would have expected. I've still got plenty of high hopes for She-Hulk Attorney at Law. So let's wait until August and see how this thing shakes out. We've also got season three of the Umbrella Academy that finally debuted a trailer. And that's going to be coming out on June the 22nd on Netflix. And you know they stopped the apocalypse, right? You also know that they created an alternate timeline, or at least shook the timeline to the point where now we have this Sparrow Academy. And they're a bunch of dicks, quite frankly. I mean, it's just kind of the best way to put it. It seems like they're the betters, too, of the Umbrella Academy. Anyway, at least on the surface, that's what it seems like from the trailer. It seems like the the our, our Umbrella Academy friends are really taking the brunt of these battles, at least in the early going. Now, they not only have to try and figure out a way back to their timeline and their lives, but they also have to find out a way to navigate another potentially apocalyptic thing that's wreaking havoc on the universe and that's something that, oh, big surprise, they might have actually caused. And you thought the Legends of Tomorrow screwed with the timeline. They have nothing on the Umbrella Academy. And here's the deal. It looks like they're going to have to try and work together with the Sparrow Academy to actually fix this thing. And the the Umbrella Academy has hard enough time playing nice with each other. Never mind playing nice with anybody else. So I'm curious to see how that's going to go down. And especially since we have a new Ben, that's also very, very interesting. But this just, it just proves to you when you see this trailer that if you love the Umbrella Academy, they're just picking up right where they left off. You're like, okay, yeah, this is the reason why I love this show in the first place. And these characters were a huge, huge part of that. We're also going to see, it looks like we're going to see some Vanya and then Vanya possibly becoming Victor at some point in the season I th- from Elliot Page. I think we're going to see how that hand, how they handle that storyline and how they present that in these future episodes, because it looks like we're at least starting out with Vanya in the early going of season three of Umbrella Academy. But yes, this is potentially the biggest season yet and I, I don't think it's heavy-handed to say that we also find out that Pogo is alive in this particular timeline but a very very different Pogo it seems like to say the least so yeah I'm very curious to see how this thing's going to be presented when Umbrella Academy starts a new session on June the 22nd we're actually going to stay with Prime Video we're actually going to go to Prime Video now and talk about the terminal list which is going to come out on July the 1st. That's the first series from Chris Pratt on Prime Video. Yes, we had that movie, The Tomorrow War, Tomorrow War, but now this is a series that's actually based on the best-selling novel by Jack Carr. Basically, we see James Reese, the character that's played by Chris Pratt, and he's having some hard, a hard time remembering what happened on an ambush that happened with his Navy SEAL team, and he's the only one that survived this massacre too, by the way. So his memories are a little bit conflicted and they're trying to figure out maybe if he had something to do with what happened. And, you know, there, therein lies the investigation and where the intrigue and, and how shows and movies like this tend to go. It's like a clear your name type of thing, but also trying to remember what happened kind of thing. And is that a PTSD thing? Did somebody actually mess with his mind? That's one of the things that they're trying to figure out. And the, even the synopsis says there's dark forces working against him. 
And what are those dark forces? Are they, is it something that somebody literally did to him? Or is it somebody that's trying to frame him up for something? That That's some of the... Well, if you've read the book, you kind of get a little bit more of an insight into that. But I'm kind of coming into this fresh. So I, I, I'm not sure exactly where this is going. But when you see somebody pull out an axe, especially an axe that doesn't look like a regular axe, it's like, I don't want to mess with this guy. And that's what, exactly what you see from Reese in this trailer. And you get to see a little bit more of the badassery of Chris Pratt. Nothing funny here, it seems like. Even in Tomorrow War, there was, you know, you still got a little bit of more of the comedic Chris Pratt. This seems like a definitely a more serious version of Chris Pratt in this in the, in the Terminalist. We also have Constance Wood that's going to be a part of this. Taylor Kitsch is going to be in this cast as well. Jai Courtney, Patrick Schwarzenegger, and LaMonica Garrett. This is a star-studded freaking cast. And I think this show has a chance to be really, really good. The Terminalist, July 1st on Prime Video. Speaking of Prime Video, you know that we're going to be getting the boys here in a couple weeks. Season 3 is going to be coming then. And this trailer that they just released for Season 3 of The Boys is pretty much all about how Homelander is saying he's going to reveal his true self. Now, we know what Homelander's true self is. Are we actually going to get to see Homelander reveal his actual true self? Or is this going to be the true self that he's doing to reinvent himself? Because remember, the world doesn't think a whole lot of Homelander right now after what happened last season and how, how radicalized he kind of became. And now he's trying to, and he does the whole tour of, you know, I was soul searching, trying to find myself during this time. And then we get to see, maybe he is going to show who he really is. And maybe in a demented way, people are going to love him for it. That's a little bit scary to think about, right? But at the same time, it's, it's also a little bit on brand too, isn't it? In a weird, weird way. And then we get to see how maybe Butcher having powers is a little bit hypocritical. And, he, you know, the boys are starting to, his fellow boys are starting to call him on it. Saying, hey, you know, there's a reason why we hated Soups in the first place. Nobody should have this much power. That's right from the trailer. And then you get to see maybe Butcher does get a little drunk on that. And that is a very, very scary thing because we were talking about Billy Butcher here. Especially since he's gone, seems like he's gone on the straight and narrow since the events of last season. And yeah, it, this this has a potential to be a little bit unhinged. And how far will Butcher go to avenge what happened to Becca and, 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 and the kid? And it seems like the kid's still very much a part of his life, at least in some, in some manner of speaking as well. So June 3rd, can't get here fast enough. That's when we're going to see the season three premiere of The Boys. I cannot wait. We're going to see a very different side of Chris Hemsworth, it looks like, in the new Netflix movie Spiderhead, which is going to be coming out on November, excuse me, June the 17th. And this is basically a state-of-the-art penitentiary. And, and he plays a doctor, or at least a visionary. It doesn't necessarily say he's a doctor. And it's, it's Steve Abnesti. And he basically has these inmates wearing these devices and they administer dosage of these mind-altering drugs. And in exchange for that, they get a commuted sentence. So it's a little bit Suicide Squad-esque here. But they kind of let the inmates come and go as they please. There's no cells or anything like that, which is interesting. And they're just kind of, even the synopsis is they're free to be themselves. But then you slowly start to see things get a little bit more unhinged. As the trailer goes along, you've also got Miles, Miles Teller, who plays Jeff, and Jeremy Smollett, who plays Lizzie, and they sort of kind of start to connect, and that creates some problems 
with these experiments, and then Doctor, excuse me, Steve Abnesti starts to push the boundaries a little bit more as well. And you see all kinds of crazy highs and lows in this trailer. You get to see a lot of blood, which is, you know, how is that kind of coming into play and how are things getting violent and who's doing this from, from the perspective of, is this an inmate? Is that, are they making them do this and how much are they able to exhibit control over these inmates? This is actually based on a short story by George Saunders too, by the way. So if you're, if you're familiar with that, then you'll have a little bit more insight into Spiderhead. But this one looks very intriguing. And again, you get to see Chris Hemsworth almost reinvent himself as a completely different character that we're not used to seeing him play. And I think that that's a really, really cool thing to see. So I'm really excited to see what Spiderhead has to offer on Netflix on June the 17th. One more to talk about because we had a bunch of upfronts this week from the networks and CW had their upfronts. And I wish I had the time to break down all the feelings I have from what Warner Brothers Discovery is doing and some of the stuff that's that that might have to be saved for, for next week's show because we just don't have the time to work it into this one. But Walker Independence actually dropped its first trailer. The show is going to premiere in the fall of 2022 on Thursday night, and it's actually going to be paired with Walker. But yes, this is a prequel series that's set in the 1800s. And yes, that is Catherine McNamara, you see, who is playing Abby Walker. Now, basically, you see in the trailer, her husband gets killed right in front of her. And we actually get to find out who's responsible for that in the trailer. Sheriff Tom Davidson, who's played by George Hovannisian. Hovannisian, I think that's how you say it. And it's one of those things where now she, you know, she's steely-eyed. She wants him dead because she's not this damsel in distress, Abby Walker. No, 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 no. That's not how it works. So she ends up in Independence. And Independence is kind of like the town where everybody goes when they're trying to get away from something. And that's where you create an intrigue about a show like this. Not only is it set in the 1800s, but it's you're, you're giving this, I don't want to say misfit because I don't feel like that's the right word, but you're given this offbeat town where everybody's got their own thing that they're trying to do and or trying to hide or, their own, or trying to find their place in the world. And that is also true of Hoyt Rollins, who's played by Matt Barham. We get to see the chemistry that's built between he and Abby Walker Right away, you've also got Kalian, who is the Apache tracker that finds her in the first place after what happens with her husband. And there's a lot, there's a lot of vibage being created there. I'm just saying, it just seems like the, that uh, Abby's going to have many, many suitors in this show. Let's just say that. But there's also something very weird and corrupt about this town. So I think that this will be. Something that I'm just curious to see how the CW handles the 1800s because this is just not really a time period that's in their wheelhouse, and this is not necessarily something that they do. So I, I think that they've proven with something like the 100 that they could certainly push the boundaries a little bit. I think they're definitely gonna have to push the boundaries with this show, but it really looks pretty damn good. I'll be honest, it it looks a lot better than I would have expected. Walker Independence coming this fall on the CW. Really quickly, I wanted to address the story about the possible return of Daredevil. And this would be on Disney+. Plus. It's according to Variety that there's a... And that's as about a reliable source as you can get. That Matt Corman and Chris Award have been hired to write a new Daredevil series. And they did Covert Affairs. You might remember that show. They also did The Enemy Within with NBC and a bunch of other sh shows recently as well. But 
It's been about four years since Daredevil ended, and we have yes, we did see Matt Murdock in Spider-Man No Way Home. Yes, we did see Kingpin in the Hawkeye series recently. So at least it's in the back of the mind of Marvel Studios since they retain since they got the rights back to Daredevil. But I mean, what do you do? That's my question. Do you reboot it entirely? I don't think you can do that. Do you pick it up where they left off right at the end of that finale? I don't know that you could do that either. So you kind of almost have to pick it up in that four-year gap, right? You know, after that four-year gap, it seems like that's kind of what you have to do based on the story that's already been told. I just feel like that's probably the way to go. And there are some difficulties there storytelling-wise to how you'd be able to do that. And again, the, the one thing that I worry about with this, and I know that maybe recent series have kind of lessened my, my fears on this, is that is, is this something that we want on Disney+. Plus? And I know that things are getting more adult there now, and they're trying to lean in that direction more. Moon Knight was certainly a good indication of that. But I think that Netflix had something that was so raw and so almost animalistic at times that they really, really pushed the boundaries. And I think that's one of the things that we loved about Daredevil. And I'm not sure that the folks at Disney Plus are willing to go as far as they need to to be able to do this justice. Now, I'm not saying it has to be super violent or anything like that, but I think that you have to examine what you might be getting from Daredevil in this in this respect. And, and can it be done? Sure. But... Are people going to complain about it, that it's not the same show? I think that that certainly has the potential to happen just based on how it's going to be presented in a, on a different platform and through Marvel Studios, and there that comes with a certain you know, reputation. So I, I really think that this is definitely something that I want to happen. I want Daredevil back. I want Charlie Cox back. I want Vincent D'Onofrio and company back. I want them all back. But is that what we're going to get? I don't know. And would you even be... For a reboot, even if it was Charlie Cox, would you want them to just reboot the whole thing? I'm not sure that's what you really want to do either. But we'll actually see if this comes to fruition because nothing's confirmed yet either. That's going to do it for this week's edition of the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Again, thanks to my great guests this week, Jessica Marie Garcia, Brandon Sawyer, the cast of Night Sky, and producers as well. Make sure you keep up with everything we've got going on on social media, and there's a ton, at Down and Nerdy 757 on Twitter and Instagram, and at Down and Nerdy on Facebook. You can always find everything on our website, too, downandnerdypodcast.com. Remember, you never have to apologize for being a nerd, so let your fan flag fly, and be good to your fellow nerds. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts, with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.